0: Want it to end pressure that's more than your skin. Like a nervous red. It's only feel safe in the home you grew up in. Hey everyone, welcome to a new episode of Misaligned. We have reached our fiftieth episode. And well, I'm kind of the only one who's been on all 50 episodes. So I guess that's more of a comp- an accomplishment for myself than, let's say, Megan, since she is the third Not co-host of the show. <laughs> Technically, I guess you could say. But as usual, real quick we want to remind you that Misaligned is part of the Modern Vinyl family of podcasts. You can find all of the shows over at modern-vinyl.com. And Megan was just on an episode of the Modern Vinyl podcast, and I will be recording an episode of Pilot Study this week. So if you want to check us out on some other Modern Vinyl shows, those two would be the ones you should check out. I mean, my episode is uh,
1: (laughs) pretty funny. It's with Mo Shafiq, and it is a Actually, I should track back a little. <laughs> Mo Shafiq works with Mondo. So, MondoCon is coming up. I know that much. Mo sounds like Jason Schwartzman, which made for an interesting experience. Mo, if you're listening, that's a good thing. And the episode is a roundtable on the new Taking Back Sunday album, Tidal Wave. And I may or may not have accidentally compared Beyonce's Lemonade to Taking Back Sessions, by <laughs> the way. So that alone is worth listening for.
0: Yes, that was quite the comical part of the episode. And for myself, I will be on the, the Friday Night Lights episode of Pilot Study, so I need to actually go rewatch the pilot because it's been so long since I've watched that. But I really loved Friday Night Lights, so I'm pretty excited to record that. And hopefully by the time you guys hear this, Pilot Study will be out either the same day or shortly after. Not sure on that just yet, but keep an eye open for that. And today we are kind of just going to talk about the podcast in general We don't really have a discussion topic other than ourselves and the podcast, because why not? It's our 50th episode. And we definitely want to hear from our listeners. If there's anyone you would like to have come on as either a guest or someone you think would be a great co-host for a specific topic, definitely hit us up on Twitter. We're at misalignedpod, or you can email us misalignedpod at gmail.com. And, you know, we're always looking for ways we can improve the show. And I think it's definitely important to have listeners give feedback because as someone who listens to a ton of podcasts, and now that I have a couple of podcasts of my own, I'm always constantly like, oh, they could have done this here or that there, or, you know, maybe they could fix the sound this way. And it could kind of drive you crazy. But as someone who loves podcasts as much as I do, I know... As a podcast maker and listener, that feedback is pretty much a good thing, especially if you're not just like bashing on the podcast and be like, this was wrong, this was bad, and I'm not going to tell you how I think you can fix it, So, (laughs) which I don't think any of our listeners would do. Yeah, I think everyone would be really nice. But going off of
1: that, I was looking at the podcast listing on iTunes where, you know, you can rate us, we have seven reviews, and it looks like most of those reviews have been all positive, except for the random person who gave our podcast four out of five stars. Oh, so horrible, you guys. Oh, Come on. no. <laughs> but there are four actual text reviews that you can read about our podcast, which are very nice, and I guess the other three reviews are just random people who just gave us stars, because who wouldn't want to give us stars? I mean, really. Really? Um, don't dock those stars for that cocky sounding statement. I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, no, we love hearing feedback. Both of us pay attention to the Twitter feed. I might be the one that tweets more than Deanna. And as stated on the Modern Vinyl podcast, I am the self-appointed emoji queen of Modern Vinyl. So if you see emojis pop up in the tweets, it's probably from me.
0: Yes, probably. <laughs> Safe assumption that is Matches are fun.
1: I'm sorry, everyone. I'm, I am that person. If I had to describe myself with an emoji, well, I would actually be Sassy Girl Emoji because I look like Sassy Girl Emoji and I'm kind of bummed that iOS 10 changed her to a purple shirt instead of a pink shirt. <laughs> so there's your random factoid of the day that has
0: nothing to do with this podcast. Yes, <laughs> and that's okay. But- Like I said, you guys can always give us feedback, and if you're someone who is a musician or in a band or something like that and you want us to, say, play one of your songs, we definitely will do that for the introduction song. We just need to be sure, you know, we have permission and everything, so that's why oftentimes you will see a lot of songs from my label, Wreck-It Records, and songs from Take This to Heart Records, which is run by Joe Urban because he lets me use a bunch of his songs, as does our friend James Cassar, who runs Near Mint with Corey Purvis. We have used lots of songs from those three labels, and we definitely are open to playing other songs for the intro, so don't think it's just an exclusive thing for only people we personally know and with that i think today we'll just talk about you know where this podcast started and what the expectations were when it started and that sort of thing and i know when chris first approached me for this he did that because i was a guest on the modern vinyl podcast and he really liked the way I, I guess, handled myself throughout the podcast and, you know, some of the things I had to say. And he then got the idea that it would be great to have a podcast with women hosting it. So he asked me to, you know, find two co-hosts because at the time he did want three co-hosts just in case, you know, one of us was sick, couldn't make it on and that sort of thing. So I started the podcast with Ashley, Aaron, and Caitlin from Absolute Punk who, Did end up departing as well. Ashley was the first co host who was moving out to LA and she moved to North Hollywood. And as she kind of got settled in, she realized she was becoming busier and busier and didn't necessarily have time to do the podcast. And at the time, the podcast, for those of you who have been listening since the beginning, you know, it was only every other week and we were just doing the plain regular episodes with, you know, news topics and whatnot. And then I had the idea and I hit up Chris about doing, you know, some interview episodes or guest episodes, whatever you prefer to call them. And so then I started filling in our off weeks with those. And as you've probably noticed, I've been pretty consistent with that since I started, because I feel like once I start doing something, I feel like I just need it to be on a schedule for my sake. And so that has worked out pretty well. And here we are at 50 episodes. And it hasn't quite been a year yet, because I know we started this late 2015, like November, December was really when it started
1: to get going, I I think.
0: Unless it was Unless the interviews...
1: We're starting around that time, because I know when I went on vacation last year, um, I sent an email to the entire Misaligned Ladies asking about a bio, which never actually got done. Whoops. (laughs) Oops. But maybe it's for the best, because we are now down to two (laughs)
0: co-hosts, and I'm not even the original. Right. Well, I know we started late 2015, and because we were only doing episodes every other week, We haven't hit the 50-episode mark until now because, like I mentioned, I started the interview episodes later. So I think because we did do every other week, it's possibly been about a year or just over a year now. I I will have to check on that. SoundCloud doesn't necessarily give you an exact date when you go and scroll all the way back to episode one. It'll probably just say, like, a year. And that could mean anything from, like, a year or a year and a month or something like that. You know, it's not too specific on that front. But anyway, my point is, thank you guys for bearing with me for all 50 episodes. You've listened to my voice, which took me a long time to get used to. So I imagine it took some getting used to for everyone else. And Megan, you came on early this in year, January. But hold on, I just pulled up
1: the first episode of Misaligned in um, the podcast app on my phone. Okay. And Episode one, the pilot, aired on August 4th,
0: 2015. Okay, so it has been over a year. Thank you for checking Mm -hmm. on that. And I think I would have had to do a lot more searching to find that on my phone because I'm not subscribed to the podcast since I edited and listened to it all anyway. (laughs) Well, I don't like listening to my voice, so I don't subscribe
1: to the podcast. But I think that's just something that's kind of stuck with me through the years and years of broadcast TV production that I did in high school and a little bit in college. So it just kind of stuck with me. I'll listen to the interview episodes, but I just won't listen to myself. (laughs) I know how I sound. But I came onto the show on episode 13, the episode entitled This Isn't Awkward at All. And that was on January 14th of this year.
0: Yeah, so definitely the majority of our episodes have happened this year. And I know we took quite a bit of a break around the holidays. I think we took a break, you know, early to mid December and then came back in January. And, you know, during that break, Ashley had told myself and Caitlin that she was not going to be doing the podcast anymore. So then, you know, I talked to Chris and Caitlin and we initially were just going to have you on for like a test episode. And I think that's what that January 14th episode was. Was intended to be, and Caitlin and I were just like, All right, this works. We're going to go with it, you know? And Mm -hmm. because at the time, it's like we didn't really have too many other women in mind to bring on a third co host who would be inclined to, you know, show up every two weeks to do this. We thought, you know, out of the people we knew, it's like maybe they'd want to be on once in a while, but not necessarily every regular episode. And with me, doing the guest episodes, I felt like I kind of just wanted to do that so I could keep getting into a rhythm with this. And, you know, obviously that gives me more editing to do, but that's also a good thing because I've learned things now that I would not have been able to do for the first episode. And even though I did take music tech classes at Drexel, it's like by the time I finished at Drexel and graduated in the business half of the major... I didn't remember really what to do with Pro Tools or Logic. I would kind of just stare at them and be like, so all these buttons, what what do they do, you know? And thankfully, just editing a podcast is a whole lot easier than editing actual music and having, you know, anywhere from five to ten tracks on a single song or what have you. So I think since that first episode, too, you can really tell there's been a upgrade in the quality, not necessarily just with the editing, but the fact that, you know, Megan, you and I both record on our end, and then Mm -hmm. that gives us a cleaner file instead of trying to use the ever so horrible Skype files, which, you know... Gotta love those robot voices. (laughs) Yeah, and it's a lot easier to kind of keep that going once you realize how much better of a product it gives you. And I know with some of the guest episodes... That's not always something I can do because I can't always expect everyone on the other end to either have a microphone or be somewhere where they can, you know, set up and record themselves and, you know, send it to me right away so that I can get started with editing the next day or what have you. But it's been a learning process for sure. And I think, you know, Megan and I have both shown that we are definitely open to topics, suggestions, any ideas people have for the podcast. And I think, you know, we've really shown that, especially with the Misaligned Book Club, because obviously not all of our listeners are going to, you know, sit there and read a book and follow along with us. But I have heard some feedback from friends that it's still, you know, an interesting episode to them. It's not like they're necessarily skipping it just because they either don't read quite as much as Megan and I do, which, Megan, I know, you know, most people probably don't read as much as we do. This is true. I mean, I'm still laughing at what the librarian said to me last week.
1: (laughs) And I'll be going in for more books this week.
0: Nice. Yeah. And in case anyone forgot, our next book pick... Mainlines, Blood Feasts, and Bad Tastes. I b- hope that's in the correct order, but it's a Lester Bangs book. And I've read the first little section of it so far. And l- let's just say that was um something else. But I'm finally to the section that's actually focusing more on the music aspects. So hopefully that will be more interesting and relevant to what we talk about on this podcast. Megan, once you get the book and you read that first little Section of stories there you'll you'll understand. <laughs> it's still sitting in the library. I need to place my hold. Yeah, so so basically think like Chuck Klosterman, but even on a bigger scale than that, with the kind of weird places that the topics will go to. So if you've followed along, we already read a Chuck Klosterman book, and you know he did have some weird stories in there because it was a compilation and. Lester Bangs will get even weirder than that did. So there's your little writer (laughs) back in the 70s, if I'm remembering this correctly, especially with Cream Magazine. Yeah, it was like late 60s and then through the 70s, and I believe he died in 82. I think last time I said 70s and 80s, so obviously not a whole lot into the 80s when he wrote since he died early 80s. Yeah,
1: but I think that time was probably a little crazier. Than yes, yes. Stuff you can hear today. Although I'm sure there's still some crazy stories out there. And as an aside, going back to talking about the podcast as a whole, right. Little known fact, when I first recorded my episode, it was the first time I was using my Yeti mic. I was hoping that things wouldn't go wrong and thankfully they didn't <laughs> with some robot voice here and there. And I had actually spent that entire day just bawling my eyes out. Uh, Up until the point where we recorded, I had gone on a 24-hour cry fest because literally the day before we recorded, I had been broken up with. So that's something that I don't think our listeners or actually a lot of my friends and the public really know because I haven't really publicized it as much. Right. Right. But the fact that I was able to kind of just suck it up and compose myself and actually sound like a happy chipper person, like I generally am. It's
0: because you knew how exciting this podcast
1: would be. <laughs> it's because the broadcast thing, because I can fake it, you know. <laughs> but um, no, that, that is something that I think everyone should know, that I was the very emotional trope and kind of just stonewalled it all. And I feel so much better actually saying that getting that off my chest. Like, I've
0: recorded a podcast. It's super sad. Yes, and I don't think Caitlin and I knew that at the time, either. Yeah,
1: no, I actually didn't tell you guys. Uh, I didn't give any warning whatsoever. Actually, when that happened, I didn't really tell anybody. You heard it first on Misaligned. Yeah, I actually, I might have told James. I'm not sure what had happened.
0: But anyway, yeah, that, that's a thing. And it's it's been a good run so far, I think. Yeah, and... I don't want to make this, obviously, all about me, since I am the only one who's still standing 50 episodes later. So I want to ask you, like, what's been your favorite thing about doing a podcast? It's getting to actually get my voice heard out there, as much as I might
1: hate my voice sometimes. <laughs> and it's, it's just a lot of fun. It's giving me something to do while I'm still looking for a job. So, that said, if anyone is listening in D.C. and or Charlottesville and or Richmond areas, I am for hire. So, please help me find a job, please. Let me not waste my lovely journalism degree that's currently still sitting in the envelope it was mailed to me in three years ago. Um,
0: Yeah. <laughs> Mine's at least framed. It's just not hanging up.
1: Yeah, mine is still in the envelope from Penn State. So, that's fun. But I I don't know. It's just fun, and it kind of brings me back into the whole broadcast gal persona that I thought I would have by the time I finished college. That was maybe more stuck with me when I was in high school doing television production. When I took a radio production class my junior year, actually that fall that everything happened at Penn State, what a doozy. We're almost at the five-year mark, guys. Um... That was just rough on me, and kind of actually turned me off of well talking into a microphone and not having me be seen at all because a well, my professor and I didn't exactly see eye to eye and b it just coming from a Commonwealth campus into university park after that, there was some clickiness right between the broadcast kids, so that kind of made it harder for me too to kind of really get in there and Then when I discovered the whole interning at a radio station thing, well, yeah, I was bummed that I didn't get to intern in D.C. at a TV station. I actually learned more in my radio internship than I probably would have at a TV station.
0: Right. and So that's not terrible and... What were you going to (laughs) say? Oh, uh, do you find doing something like a podcast that you know is going to be edited later a little less intimidating than, say, being, you know, live on either a radio station or TV station or what have you? Oh, my gosh.
1: Live stuff is so stressful in both TV and radio. I I can't even tell you the amount of times that I've been stressed out over knowing that I was going to be live and knowing stuff had to be out on a deadline. But with recording a podcast a few days in advance of its air date, that's actually pretty comforting. Knowing that if I mess up, maybe there's a chance that no one will ever hear that flub, or knowing that you can edit sounds to not make it sound like I've been eating pizza rolls this entire (laughs) episode. (laughs) That's what the mute button's for. Don't worry. But it's nice, and if I didn't have a Franken-Mac that five years ago, decided it wanted to have a new logic board and needed to be completely rebuilt, basically, which is a different story for different podcasts <laughs> for a different time. I would probably edit more. Like, I do actually feel bad that I don't edit the audio as much as you do, but that's the technology thing going on right now. The day that I don't have Frank and Mac and the day that my computer doesn't actually hate me, I'll probably step up and help you more with the
0: whole editing process. I appreciate that, but I just want to warn you, you might not want to tell me that. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, as long as I have Frank
1: and Mac, I can't do squat, except for, you know, record the podcast. But also because my computer has two gigs of RAM and I kind of regret not upgrading my RAM when I could have. (laughs) Uh, Despite that, as I was telling Chris the other day, after we recorded our podcast last week, that I find audio editing to be oddly comforting and soothing. And I think that stems from me having that background where instead of editing video, which is just a nightmare and a half because of yes. jump cuts and <laughs> everything else that can go wrong, it, it's, it takes a similar process where you're just looking at wavelengths and you can chop out long pauses or me saying, um, 50,000 times, <laughs> I've been prone to do from time to time, or doing the whole Tina Belcher, uh... <laughs> By the way, if you are Facebook friends with me, you've probably seen my three fictional characters, in which I am DW from Arthur, a show that I have lovingly referred to a lot on this podcast. (laughs) I am in real life Tina Belcher, glasses, hair with maybe not straight set bangs, awkwardness, general love of butts, and I am also Lisa Simpson, just being sassy. (laughs) So, you know... There's that connection.
0: Yeah, and you agree that it's obviously less intimidating and... It is. It is. And I mean, just
1: looking at the wavelengths and everything too, it's like a weird ebb and flow. Like, you just get into this flow where you can cut and do all this stuff and have a great piece. I did a lot more audio editing in my radio internship on the radio station's computers, obviously. And that was just simple routine really it's not as intimidating as people might say it
0: is it does take as long as people say it does though (laughs) oh yeah because even if it's easy it's still like yeah it's still a time-consuming thing and you have to listen to a lot yes so just be warned that you know if you don't like listening to your own voice editing will be very very painful at first and you know at the start of the podcast, it was kind of like I was the only one who remotely had any editing experience. So I just became the person who was editing the podcast. And, you know, it, it wasn't really a unanimous decision, but <laughs> it's the one we came to, which, you know, I'm fine with it, especially now that I kind of have a lot of free time. It's like it gives me something to do. And I definitely know what you're saying about, you know, being on live because while I didn't stick with it, I did do one radio show at Drexel's radio station. And, you know, I went through all of the training. You have to like, you know, catalog releases and you know, play new songs for, you know, every few songs or whatever have you on the show. And, you Good know, you, you have to pay attention to whether or not something is explicit in any way. And, you know, there were these sort of rules and things you had to learn before you were even allowed to be on air. And the first time I was on air, it's like one of the other radio DJs was in the room with me. You had to do it with whoever was like mentoring you, so to speak. And then you had to take a test. And I never got to the testing part because it was towards the end of freshman year when I did that first live radio show. And then once I moved off campus, I was maybe, you know, roughly a mile away from where the radio station was. So I felt like I was kind of like, okay, it was fun, but I don't know if I will be consistent enough to get down here at a scheduled time every single week and, you know, want to walk that two miles for the radio show, especially if it was it was probably going to be on a day where I didn't have class just so it wouldn't conflict with anything. And typically when I didn't have class, I didn't want to go to campus anyway. So I did not follow through with it. And part of me wishes I would have because I definitely would have been a lot more prepared for this. And I think, you know, maybe I could have gotten the audio quality to where it's at now much sooner than we did because obviously we waited a handful of months to get to that point. And I think, you know, with the first episodes of any podcast, I feel like you can always tell that it's definitely a learning curve for people. And now that podcasts are more popular, it's like you have podcasts about podcasting. And, you know, there's a show on the 5 by 5 Network. It's literally called The Podcast Method. And Dan Benjamin goes over how he does his podcast and, you know, what kind of equipment you should get if you're in this price range, a higher price range, or what have you. So it's a very meta podcast there. And I know obviously on this episode we're talking a lot about the podcast, but we're not talking about necessarily, you know, what gear you guys should get and all the little details about everything. And, you know, like Megan, I have a Yeti microphone. So we're pretty pretty much on the lower end of the spectrum here as far as equipment goes. But for us it's what works and you know really you kind of just have to find what works for you and like we mentioned with doing the book club since megan and i both read a lot more than most people that's something that works for us and megan is there anything you would like to see us do on the podcast that we haven't done yet i think we should probably talk a little more about
1: social issues within the scene Because that's something that we've tried to touch on. We may have flubbed a little bit, admittedly, and it's something that keeps coming up and coming up. Most recent example would be Shant from Cute is What We Aim For, saying that rape culture just doesn't exist. And then going on some half-assed apology thing, only to play a show where he tells a girl basically to stop crying because she was raped. Thus... Perpetuating the rape culture that he said just does not exist. And in this music scene, it's something that I think should be talked about more. I mean, we've got groups like Safer Scene and people like Autumn Levis who are out there pouring their hearts out into helping people. And, oh, and the Defend Girls Not Pump, Pump, Pop Punk movement. Can't speak here. <laughs> but that thing... Or that sort of thing. I think we, as the ladies of the Modern Vinyl family, do have this outlet where we could possibly try to do something, even though we both know that the predominant readership, listenership of the site and of the podcasts are dudes. But we can educate said dudes to go on
0: and educate others, which would include everybody, if that makes sense
1: any sense whatsoever. Yeah, no,
0: it does. Because when I was just on Inside Music with James Shotwell, him and I talked about this quite a bit. And from my perspective, it's one of those things where I feel like, you know, obviously, we've talked about Kesho, we talked about the better off situation, and we have talked about these things. And to me, I don't want the podcast to be just about that like that that wasn't the exact point in starting this podcast it was to have women on as a voice for the music industry in general not just the problems with it because i feel like our listeners specifically especially the ones you know you and i personally know they aren't the guys that are the problem in the industry creepy creepy creepers creeping on people Right. And I feel like our listeners are the sort of listeners who already have an understanding of this. Not necessarily, you know, to some huge extent, but, you know, they know these are problems. And I do think, you know, we should continue to talk about them. I just don't want this podcast to become solely focused on that because I feel like, you know, at some point, There's only so much you can say about these things before you just become a broken jukebox or something, you know. And it's yeah, like with the it's hard to know how far to get into these matters too. And I mean, what I told James was personally, I haven't run into these sorts of problems as a woman in the music industry. I don't know if that's just because the people I've associated myself with have always supported. Women in the music industry, and I haven't run into any problems at shows ever. Really, even when I do go by myself, and, you're one of the lucky ones. You really are, right? And I, I understand that, but I also don't think I would necessarily be the right voice to talk about specific things. And I know when we did the episode about the better off situation, I sort of had more questions than solutions in that episode and it might not have come across quite how we planned and that was you know more of an impromptu episode so I think what to expect when we talk about these next is we are definitely going to prepare a lot more for certain topics because I know sometimes we kind of just have a broad yeah we have a broad idea of what we're going to talk about and you know, that's fine for something like, hey, we want to talk about this album or, you know, the VMAs or what have you. Like, you don't really need to plan that out as much. And I feel like because these are such serious topics, I think definitely what we should work on for future episodes is kind of getting more of the facts and getting, you know, this from different places, not just, you know, one article, because if it's just one article, you don't know what other articles might say if, if they have the perspective of someone else involved and what have you. So I think, you know, obviously that's something we're still going to work on. It's not like, you know, I'm saying we should never talk about these things. I just think we need to do it in a better way. Yeah. And I mean, going
1: back to the not experiencing anything, unfortunately for me, I have actually experienced some of this negativity in the scene most recently when I was at the Guarbecue, The Guarbecue, while Guar, yes, is a satire band, I'm not sure a lot of people actually know that, where they've got these just horrendously disgusting yet wonderful outfits that they wear on stage. They had a singer named Volvatron, and they kind of poke fun of pop culture in a crude, disgusting way. I mean, I believe... Uh... There's a character called Executioner, and uh, I know that when they played, they had Hillary Clinton and Trump, well, representations of Hillary and Trump, on the stage, and they kind of, like, stripped Hillary down, it got kind of gory. Firstly, I missed this because I was interviewing Joey K. from Lagwagon, but where I'm getting at is a lot of the fans that were at the barbecue weren't exactly ideal to be around, There were guys with disgusting t-shirts on that were like, oh, take your panties off. Or uh, there was a porn star who was one of the MCs of the event. And before Lagwagon got on, she's like, should I take my top off or should I just stay fully clothed? Because I think it's illegal in the state of Virginia because she's also from Canada. And the guys were just like, oh my God, take your top off. Yeah. Yeah. And just awful, horrible dudes making disgusting hand gestures as well. And, oh, can't forget the white supremacist, because I sat next to a guy with a swastika tattoo on his elbow, and that was extremely uncomfortable. But, right, going back to me, not the general scene that was kind of harsh towards women. Right. It was very dude-centered, very awkward to kind of be a girl there. And when I was interviewing Joey, I noticed that in the gazebo next to the press gazebo, there was this old man that just was creepily staring me down. I wasn't going to interrupt the interview and be like, hey, can we move elsewhere? Because technically there was nowhere else to move. And the press gazebo was actually filled with other people. The band Eat the Turnstile, which is a wrestling rock band, which is very interesting to watch live. We're also in the press tent. And I think if something had actually happened after the interview had finished, people would have come to my defense. There were two other women there as well and a police person kind of just patrolling the area right so it, it was creepy and i was just like i'm not even dressed like i'm ready to get gawked at because i was wearing a cutoff tee of my brothers and just basic shorts and actually kind of looking like a dude and it's just it was that intimidating thing like he just had this relentless stare and i was forever thankful when he got up and left because it was uncomfortable right and nobody wants to be uncomfortable and that's just the most recent example at a festival that a allegedly. Allegedly, during Against Me set, a girl was inappropriately touched through her shorts while crowd surfing. I was just reading an article about that. I was just like, are you kidding me?
0: Why? Just, ugh. Right. And, you know, obviously there have been, you know, those situations like you mentioned where, in general, it's a very dude-centric scene and you have bands that have, you know, merch that is obviously meant for dudes and you know kind of disrespectful to women and of course those are things I've seen but like I said personally I haven't had anything happen to me and like you mentioned I'm one of the lucky ones and I mean I know that you know this doesn't happen at every single show it's just oh my gosh no become more of a focus in our industry Because, you know, I think we're finally at the point where a lot of us realize something needs to be able to happen in order for us to stop these things from happening. And And I think it's the culture shift as well. Right. Because the news in
1: general, not even relating to the music scene, has been focusing on cases like the Brock Turner case and violence against women and just stories like that, especially in terms of rape culture, because that's bringing a huge
0: awareness to light. Right. So definitely expect us to go more in depth, I guess, on these sort of issues in future episodes. Obviously, with the frequency of these things happening, we probably won't cover every single one, because like I mentioned, then we would probably be covering it every single episode and... I don't think that's necessarily what our listeners come to us for. You know, they also want our thoughts on music, the book club episodes and what have you. It's not, this podcast was never meant to focus on a single aspect of the music industry, but we want to keep on discussing it as a whole. And obviously with the book club, that's not necessarily something that's specifically industry related, but we have been picking, you know, pop culture books, and Mm music-centric books. So we're hoping to still tie that into the general conversation of what's going on today and, you know, with this Lester Bangs book. Lester Bangs book. There we go. (laughs) Obviously, here's
1: here's the thing with Lester Bangs. So I'm going to pull this tangent for a little bit. I, for some reason, after reading the 33 and a third from last week, they mentioned Lance Bangs. So each time you mention Lester Bangs, I think of not the acclaimed music writer, <laughs> right. but the acclaimed music video director who worked with Neutral Milk Hotel.
0: Yeah. And Bangs apparently is a very common last name in the music world. <laughs> apparently. And obviously with him being a writer back in, you know, 60s, 70s, early 80s, up until his death, it's going to be a much different style of writing and the content is obviously going to be much different and i think that'll be kind of cool to see how that compares to you know music writing today let's say
1: yeah and i feel like it'll have more of an almost famous vibe because that movie actually took place around the time when lester bangs was a prominent writer well he was
0: in it wasn't he i don't know i, I, I might think he was rewatch i think he was in it you know that little radio station They had. Maybe. I think he was in it very briefly because I think. um, Maybe. Polly Perrette was the radio show host. (laughs) That's what IMDb is for. But I think, you know what? I think I just
1: had an idea. Maybe we have the book club. Maybe we could talk about a movie one day. Like if a movie and a book kind of are synonymous with each other, kind of almost like what we're discussing now. This is also going to bother me. (laughs) Oh, hey. Please tell me this is the right IMDb page, because I just put in almost, and that's, oh, yes, it is. Cast and crew. If you haven't seen Almost Famous, you are probably living under a rock. It is a very good movie. Frances McDormand is in it. Kate Hudson's in it. My favorite Patrick Fugit, a very young Patrick Fugit, is in it. Everyone's favorite new girl, Zoe Deschanel, is in it. Uh, Let's see, people with hilarious names. Oh, yes, Lester Bangs was, in fact, featured in the movie as portrayed by the late Philip Seymour Hoffman. Okay, okay. I was, like, 95% sure there. Yeah, because as soon as you said radio show, I got an image of Philip Seymour Hoffman in my head from the movie. Right, right. So I just wanted to
0: make sure. Yeah, so that's definitely a movie to go check out, but I think, you know, this episode has hopefully given you guys a good idea of sort of the process that we've gone through f- for the podcast for these first 50 episodes and what to expect from us next. Obviously, if you guys have suggestions, if you have albums you want us to check out and give feedback on, that's great. You know, we... You can give us book podcasts or book ideas. Yeah. we When we started this, you know, Ashley, Caitlin, and I were talking about an album every episode pretty much. And then we sort of strayed away from that. And the podcast has obviously changed a lot since those first few episodes. But what isn't going to change anytime soon is having recommendations. And Megan, do you have anything to recommend this week? Should I break the streak of our all music recommendations or should I keep it going? You You can do whatever you would
1: like. Because I actually didn't put a recommendation in the doc. <laughs> but I will say... Last week on Misaligned, I recommended Keaton Henson's Kindly Now, and I'm just going to recommend a song this week, because why not? It kind of continues on the theme of Keaton Henson. So he did a song with Mitski. Surprise, surprise. I found this out pleasantly by looking at Tumblr one day, um, because I was looking at the Kindly Now tag, and I guess the song popped up. But there is a song where is it? I just had it. It is a song called Wait, and it's by an artist named Ryan Hemsworth, and it features Keaton Henson and Mitski. And it's definitely a little different than a lot of Keaton stuff. And
0: it's definitely a little different than what you're used to hearing with Mitski. It's a good song. I highly recommend it. Nice. And as Megan already knows, I also have a music recommendation for this week. I definitely suggest checking out the Green Day singles that have been released off of their upcoming album, Revolution Radio. It's not anything like the trio of albums that they release. So if those were kind of what turned and you off tre? yes, if those were what turned you off from Green Day for a bit and kind of made you wary of what they would come up with next, this album is definitely going to be more like American Idiot, just based on, you know, what I've heard from the singles. It definitely goes back to what the band used to be before, you know, 21st Century Breakdown and Uno Dos Trey. So check those out. Well, they just want to let their fans know that they're still breathing.
1: <laughs> yes. Gonna throw in a terrible, terrible music-related <laughs> pun in there. I'm sorry,
0: but not really. Yes. And for those of you who did not get that, Still Breathing is the latest single. So Check those out. The album is out on October seventh, which is the same day the Sum Forty One album is out. So you know, early two thousands, here we come. Woo! Punk revival. <laughs> awesome. And can, can it be called a punk revival? Did it ever go away? Is that a thing? I don't think it did. Sum Forty One did. Derek wasn't doing too
1: well for a while. <laughs> yeah, I guess Sum Forty One did go away. Make
0: yes. All right. Well. Thank you guys for listening, and if you have been someone who has listened to us since episode one, thank you for sticking with us for 50 episodes, and as always, we hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day.